we're continuing to talk about spiritual increase. And uh, we're, this will be our last message in this for right now, as far as we know. We're going to move to another area of increase that God wants to do for us. And uh, so, so we'll be seeing that. But you remember two things I want you to remember. That we still believe that we are real church for real people seeking a real God. And uh, I, I would love to see our congregation get as excited about telling people about our church and sending our church to people as we do about ball games or any other kind of activity that we get involved in. Get that excited about our church. Folks, I believe we've got something to offer people. And uh, we were talking uh, yesterday afternoon, Loretta and I was talking to a couple of folks that we've known for years. And, and the more we talked, the more excited I got about the church and just telling them what we were going to do and so when we started to part, we'd been talking an hour or so and listening to them and sharing with them and all. And I believe these folks are going to come to our church. I really do. Uh, they're not in church right now. They need to be. Of course, that's about uh, 900,000 people in North Alabama that needs to be in church, right? Uh, but anyway, I believe they're coming. Anyhow, we started leaving. I told them, I said, I, ha- I hope I haven't overdone it too much about our church. And, and uh, they said, no, you believe in it. And I do. And I want to encourage you to, when you talk to people, say, hey, we feel like we've got something to offer you. Come on and get it and then fall in and help us. See, people people come for a time or two and they want to run off somewhere else because they don't have this and they don't have that. Well, help us get it. Get people that will come and help us get those things going in our church. That, and so, you know, we're not a welfare system. And the body of Christ is not a welfare system. God has called all of us to be involved and to be working, not just coming and sitting on a seat in the church, but actively involved in the ministry of the kingdom of God. Can you say amen? Y'all not mad at me, are you? Well, I'll try harder. No, I'm just kidding. Open your Bible this morning. First of all, we got two scriptures. Everybody say two scriptures. All right, I just want you to follow me. First Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23 And we're also going to read a couple of scriptures in Romans chapter 8. Now, you know the last two Sundays we have read out of Romans chapter 8. We're going to go back there again this morning here in a few minutes for a couple of scriptures. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, listen to what the man of God says. And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly, and I pray God your whole spirit, and soul and body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I didn't add verse 24, but listen to what it says. Faithful is he that calleth you who also will do it. Now, one thing that we've got to do if we expect to grow spiritually, we've got to realize that we are a three-part being. I know I've said this a lot, but we've got to get a hold of this. We are a three-part being. Before our minds can grow spiritually, before our bodies can come in line in the spiritual realm as it needs to, then our spirit man needs to grow. See, we are a spirit. If this can help us understand it, we are a spirit. We have a soul. Our soul is our mind, emotions, and will. And you get that? Now, I ain't got time to preach on all of these today. Maybe at some point in time we will. But then our body. So we have a spirit. We are a spirit. When I was born again, my spirit man was made alive, and God recognizes me in the spirit. 
God is the Spirit. And so when we were born again, we were born again in the same vein that God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit in. We were made alive in the Spirit. So uh, I am a spirit. I have a soul. That's mind, emotion, and will. And I live in what Charles Cap the earth suit. That's this body. When I leave this body, I'm not going to be on this earth anymore. Okay? Uh, people don't walk around on this earth without a body. Uh, you know, I had a fellow say not long ago, said, you know, I saw this thing, and he said, I thought it was my daddy. And I said, uh, well, did he have a body? Well, no, it was just something flying through the air. <laughs> now, bodies do not walk around, folks. We may be, <laughs> we may be involved in this dead men walking spiritually, but physical dead men do not walk. Okay? They don't. There's no way. You know, maybe it's not if it's empowered by... There's no way that a dead person that don't have life in them can walk. So as long as I'm on this earth, my spirit's going to be in this body. The spirit man is the real who we are. The body is the expression of that. The mind is the expression of who we really are. Now, I've not had any problem in my life getting my body to grow. Have you? Now, some have. Some had problems getting their body to grow. Uh, my wife, she's never had, had the pleasure of having to resist getting her body to grow. She's always been little. Uh, matter of fact, the, the day before our oldest son was born, he weighed 6 pounds and 15 ounces. She weighed 114 pounds. That was the day before. Uh, so she's never had any problem with that, but I've never had a problem getting my body to grow. The problem that I've had is keeping my body in check so it won't grow. I have enough of me on the outside. Can I tell you this? I have too much of me on the outside. But the problem is, I don't know that I've got enough of me on the inside like I want to have. I don't know I have enough of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, I'll be honest with you about this, and Jenny and I were talking about this earlier. I don't know but what may be some of the problem. I don't have everything on the inside of me that I need is because I'm not taking care of what's on the outside of me like I need to. You say, what's that got to do with anything? Well, you remember we talked about, and sometimes there needs to be a renovation take place in this body. Well, that wasn't what I was going to talk about, but that I won't charge you for that. We won't receive another offering. We are a three-part being. We are a spirit. That's the part that we want to get to grow. Can I tell you that when the spirit man is growing and taking control like he ought to, our minds will become spiritual and our bodies will be under control. See, that's what he said in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. He said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, except the Lord, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. In other words, he's saying this, submit your body and your mind to your spirit, which is empowered by the Spirit of God, and let that spirit man have control in your life. So we grow into that. Now, like, like we said two weeks ago, there has to be a desire to grow if we're going to grow. There has to be that desire. 
People are satisfied with being stagnant. People are satisfied with not growing spiritually, it seems like. Because, but, folks, that's one reason that we, we keep getting beat up and pushed around by the devil is because we're not developing through the levels of development and coming in to the point to where that we are a, a, a mature Christian and that we're able to stand against the things that Satan does against us. Now, here's something that we got to that we got to understand. It takes nourishment to grow. Nourishment for the spiritual man is the Word of God. Uh, the, can I tell you this? I don't think that the spirit man really cares for Mountain Dews and chocolate candy. Thank you for that big amen. That means you're in agreement with me, doesn't it? The spirit man needs the Word of God. To grow on. It needs a constant diet of the Word of God. Not a constant diet of the things of this world, which most of us are constantly giving in to our spirit. You know that when you sit and watch a TV program, and this is something that we all need to be working on, when you sit and watch a TV program, if you watch that thing, then what is taking place on that TV screen is getting into your spirit. Right? You take, you take one, one thing that caused children to begin to get so rebellious is because the cartoons and the kids shows that they were coming out with and still do show rebellious kids and they glorify that. Just show you how things get in. You remember the A-team. Y'all remember the A-team? When they started coming on many years ago, we lived in North Carolina, and Matt was about 12 13 years old, our oldest son. And he, boy, we liked it. I enjoyed watching it because good guys always won. I always like watching something the good guys win in, don't you? And the good guys, white hat kind of guys, always won. That's one reason I always like to watch a good Western, especially Roy Rogers or John Wayne, because they won in most of those situations. And that means good triumphs if we'll just begin to put it. But anyhow, they, they had this guy on A-team. All of y'all know who I'm talking about, B.A. And I come to realize that B.A. meant bad attitude. He had one, didn't he? Nothing. Nothing ever made him happy. Well, we would watch that, and for the next three or four days, I would have to ride Matt hard because he was B.A. He was bad attitude to his parents. He was bad attitude to his brothers and sisters and everybody around him few days, he'd get over that, and I'd ride him hard about it. Uh, A-team would come on again, and we'd have the same situation all over again. So finally I said one day, we're not watching that anymore. Why? Because of the bad attitude that's coming from it. So you get these things in you, and, and what you see will feed your spirit. What you hear will feed your spirit. So you've got to have the nourishment of the Word of God. It's one reason it's so important for parents to have a time every day of, of a family devotion with their children. Because, you know, I, I think thoughtful is a good school. But I'm here to tell you that most kids are not getting any spiritual nourishment at school. I've been, I've been in there. I've been in the classes. I've, I, I've, I, in substituting, I've been around them. They're not getting any spiritual nourishment except FCA one morning a week for 15, 20 minutes and then 
uh, in the elementary school, a first priority kids for 15 or 20 minutes once a week. And that's good. I'm glad we got that. But, folks, what I'm saying is this. Parents are going to have to take up the slack and begin feeding their children spiritual food and the Word of God in a devotion in their home every day. That's, that has to be, and we'll talk more about that later when we're talking on the, on the family. It, now, here's something about spiritual growth. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes effort. You're not, you don't get born again and tomorrow be a spiritual giant. Wouldn't that be something if that were to happen and be that way? And I'm telling you, to the point to where that almost nearly everything and situation and circumstance that comes along, we automatically win because we got born again yesterday and today we're mature Christians. It don't work that way. We've got to learn that we've got to grow. There's a growth process. It takes time. It takes patience. And it takes effort to grow physically. It takes time. A little rider over there, I mean, you know, he's a precious guy, isn't he? You know, he's not going to be playing varsity baseball next week. He's not. He's not even going to get to play football next week. Why? Because he's still a baby. And it takes time for him to grow. And it takes patience on the part of parents. And it takes effort on the part of parents to teach that child and teach him. And so it's the same way with us spiritually. We have to grow. I remember when I pastored in Georgia back in the mid-70s, there was a young girl in the church that had her 13th birthday. Well, you know, most kids are tickled to get to be a teenager now. You know, I'm a teenager. Well, we went to her birthday party, Loretta and I did, and Matt, little guy. We went to her birthday party. She was sitting off over in the corner, just long face, and wouldn't have nothing to do with nobody. I walked over to her and said, Teresa, what's the matter, honey? I said, this is your birthday. You're 13. She said, I don't want to be 13. I thought, oh, Lord, we got a problem. I said, well, how old do you want to be? I want to be 16. I said, honey, you can't be 16. You're 13 for a while, and then you've got to be 14. Then you've got to be 15, and then you can be 16. And it just ruined her whole night. Well, I see, I see people get saved. And, and let me tell you something. I believe a zeal that comes to us at salvation, we need to carry that right along as we go forth. But because we come up against problems and circumstances that we don't know how to handle, we don't need to let it discourage us and say, man, I wish I was as strong in the faith as Pastor Carroll. Well, you don't know the difficulties that Pastor Carroll has sometimes, okay? But it takes a while to get here. It takes a while. I've had people say to me over the years, Pastor, I sure wish I could quote the Bible like you do. And I tell them, well, you could if you'd study it like I do. You know, God didn't just screw my head off and pour the Bible in there and then screw the top back on. It don't work that way. There again, I sort of wished it would because sometimes I want to be a little bit lazy about reading the Word of God. Can I get amen? But I make my, when, when I feel that lazy streak coming on, I make myself get up and get in the Word of God. It takes time, it takes patience, and it takes effort. To change anything, everybody say anything. To change anything, it takes time, effort, and here's another one it takes, is money. It takes money. You know, we'll spend all kinds of money on things that we want. I'm not spending that much for a Bible. <clears throat> I'm not going to spend that much for that book. I wouldn't read it anyway. That's what I'm talking about. See, it takes money. If, 
we one of the main purchases that we ought to be doing with our free money is buying things that will help us grow spiritually in our family, in our body. You know, uh, I've I got this tendency, I want to go to Lowe's. Uh, Eric and I have already decided that that's the, the main toy store uh, that we like to go to there in Home Depot. I like to go to Bass Pro Shop. I do. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I love that. like to go to Cabela's. It's, it's nice. And I go there and I see these things and I start trying to figure out how can I buy that. <laughs> Y'all know where I'm at? And, but when it comes, I, I'll get these ads all the time on my computer about something that would help me grow spiritually. And I just pass it by. Pass it by. And if I want to change things in my life, it's going to take me putting some time into it. It's going to take me some effort following a routine. And it's going to take some money to have to do to get things that I need to help me grow. To help me move on with Him. To help me uh, uh, move forward with Him. See, a lot of people don't have any problem spending five, six, seven hundred dollars on a telephone. <clears throat> but uh, spend $17 on a book at the bookstore to help me grow. I can't do that. Uh, you love me? All right. Thank you. Now, there's levels of growth or development. Levels of growth or development. In 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, listen to what he said. 1 John chapter 2, verse 12 through 14. I write unto you, little children, because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. I write unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. I write unto you, young men, because you have overcome the wicked one. I write unto you, little children, because you have known the Father. I have written unto you, fathers, because you have known him that is from the beginning. And I have written unto you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abideth in you, and you have overcome that wicked one. Now, in the natural realm, they have identified eight levels of physical and mental development. Eight levels of that. And that is infant, that's a newborn. Then little children, that's the ones that's in the terrible twos. You know, that's what we call them. And uh, y'all would be saying terrific twos. And then children, above that, adults. Preteens, this is when children begin to get impossible. Then teens, that's the know-it-all stage. And some of them never grow out of that. Then young adult, adult, and mature. That is in the natural realm, those levels. Each one of them have their own particular characteristic. Now, I'm not going to take time to go into those right now, but they have their own particular characteristics. In the natural, you if you do not develop from Ryder's age, if he, let me just say it this way. Right now, he's cute, he's good, clap his little hands, sit on his daddy's knee, mom, grandma's knee, but, and he, they carry it. But whenever he's 18 years old, if they're still having to carry him, change his diaper and all that kind of, something happened to him in his development, didn't it? Well, we see this parallel in the spiritual realm. 
so many times. As much as Ryder wants to do everything that Daddy does, there's some things that Ryder can't do because he's little. Little guy, right? And, and there's nothing wrong with that. Everybody's got to be little before they can be big. In the, in the spiritual realms, everybody's got to be a newborn babe. Like Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 2, is newborn babes. Everybody's got to be a newborn babe before they can reach the level of being a father or mature, as John says here in 1 John chapter 2. They've got to do that. You've got to grow, and it takes time. See, in the spiritual realm, there are, here we have three levels of development. But when you look through the New Testament, you find some others added to that. I'm not going to read these scriptures. I'm just going to call them out, and you can get the CD or listen on the Internet and, and look over these. First of all, there's newborn babes. That's 1 Peter 2, 2. And then we're referred to Paul in 1 Corinthians 3, 1, refers to a group of people as babes in Christ, not babes in Toyland. Then in Galatians 4, 19, as well as here, the term little children are used. In Romans 8, 16, 17, the term children is used. Holy Spirit lets us know that we're children of God, and if children, then heirs of God. Then in, here in 1 John, it talks about young men. And then in 1 Corinthians 4, 15, and then again here in 1 John, it talks about fathers or mature Christians. So there's development that we need to do. But, folks, you've got to apply yourself to do that. Now, what I try to do is give you a diet that you can eat and, and try not to be real, real mature in my preaching and at the same time not be basic in everything so that we can grow. A person that's just been born again, they need, they'll ask me, say, what do I need to read in the Bible? Do I need to read Revelation? No, 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 stay away from Revelation. Well, what about the Old Testament? Forget about the Old Testament right now. What you need to do is read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Read those. Those in you. And then go to Romans and, and uh, Corinthians. Go to those heirs and begin to read and study the Word of God. But stay away from Revelation because Revelation will get you mixed up until you've got some growth in you. Just like a lot of things in the Old Testament. Don't, don't show a baby Christian Leviticus. They'll go, like a weak child, you're trying to feed something too they don't want. So, so we, we want to grow and we want to develop. Uh, there's some attitudes of these three levels. Little children needs to know their sins are forgiven. Some of the greatest battles that new Christians have is understanding how many sins have been forgiven for their sake. Well, all, all our sins have been forgiven. They need to know that. Why? Because Satan is going to try his best to get those young Christians to feel like that God has not forgiven them. Can I tell you something else? That's a battle that mature Christians still fight from time to time, too. Satan will come around, God didn't forgive you for that, and all of that back. Yes, God did, too. God did. God has forgiven. You know, uh, I was listening, Loretta and I was listening to Robert Morris last night, and he was preaching, and he was talking about he had been to Africa on a missions trip, and he had preached and several times a day and, and uh, at night and, and was there for several days, and he was on the airplane coming home, and, and nearly everybody was asleep on the plane, and he's sitting here working on his message for Sunday morning. 
As he's working on it, he said he was tired, and the enemy came and said to him, uh, you're not fitting to preach that. Don't you remember everything you did back yonder? Oh, you don't need to be. You don't even need to be claiming to be pastor anymore. He said the devil was putting these thoughts in his mind, and he said he just stopped. And he just looked up and he said to the devil, "You go straight to hell. I hadn't got time to mess with you." Well, that's biblical. He's, that's where he's ending up. So, don't say that to your husband or wife. Now you. You better take time to mess with them. <laughs> but we've got to come to that point. They, they need to know and, and develop and be encouraged to develop their love relationship with the Father. And they love and they honor their Father. I mean, they're like, my, my dad's better than your dad. My dad's stronger than your dad. You know, that's, that's the kind of attitude that little children should have before, before God the Father. And their attitude about sin is so innocent because innocently they'll say, I didn't know that was wrong. I didn't know that was wrong. And, you know, most of us, and I know I can't anymore, come down to say, God, I didn't know that was wrong. I'd hear the same thing that they hear on these uh, game programs on TV if I said that to God about something. Wrong answer. But little children need to grow. They need to learn right and wrong. They need to understand this, and they'll understand it through the Word of God and through the Spirit of God. And then young men. He mentions them here about young men. Young men are growing strong, and they have experience in the Word. Paul said that, that, that these young men are able to eat strong meat because they have exercised their self in the Word of God. They begin to use the Word of God, and they're overcoming the enemy. You see, it's wonderful we get to the point to where that if we're growing spiritually as we ought to, because the Word of God, that when something comes up, our mind, instead of reverting to natural things, will begin to revert to spiritual things and the Word of God, and we're able to take that Word then and use it against the devil and overcome him. But one thing that happens so many times is to young men, they, they sort of get lax, they sort of get full of their self, you know, young men, teenagers and all, they get that way now, naturally. But they sort of get full of their self. And, and if they're not careful, they'll begin to listen to things they should not listen to. And one thing that a, a person that's been a Christian for a while will say, well, I don't really need to go to church. I'm okay without church. I can go to heaven without church. And, and they start making excuses for church. And, and, and I don't need that much study in the Bible. And then they'll come down to this, where a, or a young Christian will say, "I didn't know that was sin." Uh, a, a young uh, adult, I mean, a young man Christian level, if they don't watch themselves, will begin to say, uh, "Well, look, that may not be sin for me because the Bible says I'm to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling." Well, it does say that. Can I tell you this: sin for pastor is sin for Wayne. Sin for Wayne is sin for Michael. Right? So we need to realize that. And somebody say, well, you know, it's not that way with me. I can watch anything on television that won't affect me because I'm secure. <laughs> yeah. Moving right along. They have, But they have a good relationship with the Father, but they have to stay strong 
in that relationship. It's the reason we need to continue to be in the Word of God. And then he talks about fathers here. This is mature. People have reached the stage of maturity. Now, they're not on welfare. A mature Christian's not waiting for Medicare, spiritual Medicare, okay? They're not looking for the retirement home. A mature Christian is someone that is reaching out to bring other Christians along in their Christian walk. They have patience and, and gentleness with the baby Christians. And then they have encouragement and instruction for the young men Christians. And they have uh, a fellowship and encouragement for other mature Christians. Can I tell you this? As much as all of us would like to think we're mature, there's probably fewer mature Christians than there are the other two categories. Now, we, we mature in some areas, but I'm talking about maturing in every way, in every area of our life that we need to be mature in. And here's something, here's something that mature Christians look at. They say this. They're settled as far as the whole counsel of the Word of God is concerned. They don't question it or reason it. They just do it and just believe it. See, if we've got to question the Word of God, then there's a lack of maturity in some area in our life. Now, I want you to, just for a few more minutes, we've mentioned another thing here, something that will help us to grow spiritually. Uh, We've mentioned the Word of God. We've mentioned our relationship with the Spirit of God. But let's look back in Romans chapter 8 and verse 5 now. And uh, we want to, did I put down for the Amplified on that? Okay, put this in the Amplified Bible. Romans chapter 8, verses 5 and 6. You can see it on the screen. For those who are according to the flesh and are controlled by its unholy desires, set their minds on and pursue those things which gratify the flesh. Now think about that statement for a minute there. But those who are according to the Spirit and are controlled by the desires of the Spirit set their minds on and seek those things which gratify the Holy Spirit. Now, you see the difference in this. As I grow spiritually, my mind is going to shift more from the things of this life, the things that gratify the flesh, the fun, the fun, the fun, the, fun, the pleasures, uh, the allurements, uh, all of these things, activities of life, and it's going to concentrate more on the things of God. Well, you say, well, now, if I'm going to be spiritually minded, does that mean I can never have any fun? Oh, no. No. You can still go places, do things, see things, and all of this kind of thing. But you're doing it through a different perspective because you're looking at it through the eyes and through the mind of the Spirit of God. So so this is, this is what he's telling us here, that we need to do this. Now, verse 6 says, Now, the mind of the flesh, which is sense and reason without the Holy Spirit. See, sense and reason. We reason things out. Well, this ought to be okay. That's fine. Don't, don't nobody care about that. And, you know, this will be all right. Reason says this. Well, you can't pay your tithes because if you do, you can't pay your bills. And I tell you, you can't pay your bills because you're not paying your tithes. Just had to slip that in, okay? Uh, I didn't expect the amen out of that. But it's the truth. Uh, reason says... Well, look, they don't need to spend all that time confessing healing. Just go to the doctor and get a shot. Now, there's nothing wrong with going to the doctor and getting a shot. Don't get me. I'm not saying that. Uh, there's times I've had to do that. If I have to do it again, I will, okay? But I'm not going to go there and say, thank you, and say this shot made me well. I'm going to take a shot, if I have to, for the help, and say, thank you, Jesus, for your healing power. See, uh, I don't want to reason 
with the devil. You can't win when you reason with the devil, and the devil is the one that controls the fleshly nature of people's lives. You cannot win when you reason with him. There's no way that you possibly can. And then he says, but it is death. Death that compromises or comprises all the miseries arising from sin, both here and hereafter. In other words, if you're determined to follow a sinful life, if you want to walk that way and always look into the things of the flesh and things of this world, then all the complications that comes along with sin, you're going to have to deal with. But the mind of the Spirit, or the minding of the Spirit, is life and soul peace both now and forever. The minding of the things of the Spirit. It's being spiritually minded. Real quick, I want to look in Galatians chapter 5. We find the fruit of the Spirit. Last week we talked about the works of the flesh. The 17 works of the flesh listed, but it's not an inclusive list because it says, and the such like. So many more. But then when we come to the fruit of the Spirit, there's nine of these, and it, it just point blank, this is it. Okay? Because it's fruit that we bear. We don't have to bear fruit, one fruit to offset all the work, any one of the works of the flesh. Matter of fact, what we need to do is take and, and rub this about the works of the flesh, sort of move it out of the way, and insert in its place the fruit of the Spirit. Now, something that's amazing about this, there's nine fruit of the Spirit and there's nine gifts of the Spirit. But they're not the same. Okay? And the fruit, of the, the fruit that he's talking about bearing in John chapter 15 is not bearing the fruit of the Spirit. It's bearing the works that Jesus did while he was here on this earth and greater works. If you go back and put it all together, John 14, he said, What I do, you shall do also, and greater things than these shall you do. If you ask anything in my name, he goes ahead and he talks about the Holy Spirit coming. And chapter 15, if you just move that chapter 15 out of the way and let the, the, the conversation continue, he comes on down and he says, Now then, here's the fruit that you should bear. What? And it's not talking about the fruit of the Spirit. But here we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit that is developed in someone that is increasing spiritually and becoming more spiritually minded. And he, he lists these, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, uh, meekness, and temperance. And he says there's no law against these things. Now I want to look at just real quickly, I want to go back and look at love. Now this is the results of the whole. Number one's love. And that love there should be understood because of our relationship with other people as, as selfish concern for others. Now, you don't look at me like a calf looking at a new gate now, okay? Carnal, unselfish concern for others. Carnal minded is self centered, spiritual minded. It's not self-centered. It's Christ-centered and reaches out to others. Joy. And, 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 you know, this is something a lot of people need to get a hold of today because, folks, you can have joy in, in trouble. You can praise Him in the storm when you're allowing the joy of the Lord to rule your life, the joy of the Holy Spirit. And it's a mindset that's set spiritually minded when you allow it to do. If you get up every day and you say, thank you, Lord, for this day, I'm determined that it's going to be the best day of my life, and I'm going to go through the day, and I'm going to glorify you, regardless of what Satan throws at you, you'll be able to handle it because of the joy of the Lord in your life. And then he talks about peace, inner peace. This is that peace that passes understanding that keeps your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. 
that, that peace that cannot be done away with as long as we're looking to Him and walking with Him. It's the peace that Jesus said, Not as the world gives, give I unto thee. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Then one other I want to talk about in a minute is patience. It says long-suffering in the King James. Other translations says patience. Now, uh, I don't know that I agree with the, altogether with the translation of patience for this Greek word, and I haven't got time to go and do a, a Greek discussion here at this point. But let me tell you what it means. In this particular case, that word long-suffering is actually translated patience in the Greek, and it's not the ability to wait. That's not what he's talking about here. That's not the ability to wait. You can sit down and do nothing and wait. But waiting on God involves more than just sitting down and folding your hands and laying back and saying, I'm just waiting on God. I'm just waiting on God. No. It involves more than that. Because when you look at this from the literal language, it means how we act while we are waiting. What we do. And especially our relationship with others. Jesus talked about Him coming back. And He's talked about the goodman of the house that had everything ready, regardless. But He said, but don't be like that one that says, where's the promise of His coming? And He begins to beat His men servants and His maid servants. And He said that when the Lord comes, He'll deal with that person. But let me tell you what this means. See, so many times we're waiting, we're waiting on people to change and we get aggravated with them. We're waiting on people to do something and we get aggravated. We're waiting on God to do something and we just want to give up. But this is what he's talking about. Folks, I believe that we need to grow to the point spiritually to where this fruit can be seen and evident in our life to where we don't get aggravated, irritated, agitated, but that we can continue to believe God and that we can believe God to deal with people, to handle people, to handle situations, and we can see the grace of God come out of this thing. That's the fruit of the Spirit. Spiritual growth moving into that direction. You know, there's, there's others down through here. Kindness, goodness, faith, meekness. Faith is faithfulness. That's the fruit that we need to work on. Meekness is humility. Another one. Temperance. Self-control. Self-control. We need all remember that when we go to the dinner table today. And I had to remind myself, we're having deer tenderloin. Oh, Lord, help me already. <laughs> help me already. But these are things that we need in our life. And we can only get them by growing spiritually, allowing the Holy Spirit to do His work in our life. I want you to bow your heads with me for a moment. And as we wait before the Lord, I want to encourage you just to look to the Spirit of God and ask Him what you need to take from this message this morning. Ask Him. You say, well, preacher, it's been so scattered, I don't know. But yes, there's been enough that something could have found lodging. And I want to encourage you to open up to that.